Hello, all you hot-blooded hearts, and welcome back to Hand to Hand, Heart to Heart, where we are diving into the seven rings of bullet hell and returning to you with something esoteric and divine. What you just heard was our theme song composed by Hazel, aka Twinkle Parks. My name is Amr, and with me is my co-host, Curly. Yo, I'm Curly. Hello, hi. Welcome back, Curly. So, what have you been doing since our last episode? So, since our last episode, I have mostly been recovering from drowning pools. If you listened to our last episode, you will have heard me talk at some length about the large tournament that I ran in Liverpool called Drowning Pools. Uh, It took a lot out of me, so I've been sort of slowly gathering my spoons up after that. And um, uh, I I think I... I, So I played uh, uni for maybe the second time since Drowning Pools yesterday. Had a lot of fun. That game's still real good, turns out. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, mostly just uh, mostly just in recovery mode. Uh, oh yeah, I also my 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 sort of quote unquote news for personal growth <laughs> since then is that I won our monthly mystery game tournament last month. Hell yeah! Yeah, mystery game tournaments are a lot of fun because you get to basically just play a bunch of games that nobody else exactly is like has like a big community for. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a slightly weird one because uh, I'm I'm one of the two people who like hoovers up games to actually go into our mystery game tournament. So if you don't know mm-hmm. what a mystery game tournament is, it's like a it's 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 sort of traditional in uh, fighting games events to host a, a mystery game tournament. I think uh, it's popularized by places like Frosty Faustings, CEO, and Combo uh, Breaker. Combo Breaker, yeah. There's a few others, but. Um, so you basically, it's a it's a tournament like any other fighting game tournament. You sign mm-hmm. up, you pay your entry fee, and you play a double elimination bracket. You know, first uh, as soon as you lose twice, you're out. You know, so on and so forth. But the games for each round are completely random, chosen by the tournament committee to be, you know, unusual and fun. Like sometimes it's uh, you you're know, right classics that you played as kids sometimes it's games that you have never heard of sometimes it's famously bad games and sometimes it's like it's games that you know almost nobody has ever played before like in our uh, so we run one of those at the end of every month in our uh, at our local uh, for a you know casual play right and um the first one so the way we do it is that the winner's side so before you've lost a game is good games, games that we like are respected, <laughs> games that games that people like. So you're. Uh... So if you like, if you see a, a fighting game you recognize, it's probably in the winner's side. If you see, right. like, so uh, winner's side had Virtua Tennis, not the, the last month, but the month before. Uh, you know, a bunch of like games that games that you know, games that you recognize, and then loser's side is bad games, like real it's bad just stuff. Kusoge. Yeah, trash games like movie tie-in games for the PS One, like you know. Stuff I'm about, like that. I'm about to lose at your locals just so I can play all the Kasoga. Yeah, the Kasoga is <laughs> fun. First like, I haven't, I haven't yet heard anyone talking about losing tactically so that they can play the shit games, but <laughs> it, it could well happen. But there was, uh, I so I won my first round in uh, oh, Pokemon Type Wild. Pokemon Type Wild is an awesome game, so it's a a fan made pokemon 2d fighter that i'm definitely gonna suggest that we do an episode about at some point <laughs> it's real fun uh right I, I played as gardevoir who turned out to be a zoning character which was entirely too much for my opponent to deal with 
Uh, one thing that bears mention about Pokemon Type Wild anytime that it comes up is it has assists and uh, you can you, you pick your Pokemon, you start the game, and then at the start of each round you pick an assist that you can use for that round. And, yeah, uh, you, I'm, you, I'm pretty sure that's uh, against the rules of Pokemon, one-on-one Pokemon well, battles. But well, let me sure tell you, we'll it's about it. to get even more against the rules because uh, one of the playable characters is Lucario. And if you've played the Pokemon games, you'll know that Lucario goes around with a trainer called Riley, who is this mm-hmm. dude, he has like a blue suit and a big blue hat, and Riley is one of Lucario's assists. <laughs> so if, if you get enough bar, if you get enough bar as Lucario, uh, you can just be, you know, your opponent's in the corner, you're mixing them up, and then you can press a button and Riley just comes in and twats your human. opponent with a cane. Like a real ass man just runs into the <laughs> battlefield and punches your opponent, who is a Pokemon. This it's is amazing. Sick. Okay. And you can like be yeah. Snorlax and stuff, right? Uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, Snorlax is a Pokemon. So I think the full cast includes, so it's Gardevoir, Lucario, Snorlax, Combuskin, Blaziken, um, uh, Gengar is there, Swalot is there, the po- the big little sort of blob Pokemon. Right, okay, uh, yeah. Lopunny is there for all the wife mains in the world. Um, <laughs> and is that it? There might be more, but that's all the ones I can think of right now. I just so, like the uh, idea of Riley coming in and smacking Snorlax on the belly with a I, 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 I triple taked the first time I saw it. I was like, <laughs> why is there a man punching a Pokemon? That's not, that's, that's completely, yeah. Seems so wrong, but it is it's very absolutely funny. not allowed. Yeah. So, uh, round two was popping tanks, uh, Japan only tank, like, uh, PlayStation arena? 1. Yeah, PlayStation arena 1. Game? Arena game, yeah. It's really like fun. Like a vehicle arena game, right? Like, Sorry? You're like a tiny little like chibi tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's real fun. You just you drive around your little tank. It's got it's got supers and it's got very charming characters. Oh, it's got supers. Yeah, yeah. You just do a big, lots of missile barrages and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Uh, so then winner's finals. Winner's finals was Genso Skydrift, which is a game... <laughs> it's just a real fun game that we found a while back. Which is... I have no idea what that is. So Genso Skydrift is... Well, a... I know it's a Toho. <laughs> yeah, so it's a Toho game. Uh, Toho, for those in the audience who don't know, is a uh, a magical girl property, I guess you could call it. Yeah, sort of. They're like sort of... shrine maidens. Yeah, shrine maidens, which I guess. Is, but... There's overlap. But the point is that the... Uh, the reproduction rights for the characters are completely open like the, the the original creator said you can use these characters for whatever i don't mind which is pretty cool so, so like including are, commercial products yeah yeah including commercial products so you can make games tv shows anything with these toho characters and that's just fine so mm-hmm. it's 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 weirdly despite the fact that it's like this very niche hyper focused sort of you know it's it's got a lot of uh shrine maidens as a property are very deep into the anime niche right yeah, but you've got Malay a lot of anime. like yeah exactly but you've got a lot of quite ambitious projects with these characters because they're free and recognizable yeah. so uh, there's a huge fan base so it's easiest like it's an easy way to get like people interested in right, very exactly. esoteric and ambitious games exactly so genso <laughs> skydrift is a game by developers of a game some of you may have played called Mario Kart Double Dash. <laughs> lapsed, lapsed developers of 
Gen of Mario Kart Double Yeah, I see where this is going. Could not be working. Could not, you know, get stopped working at Nintendo, and obviously couldn't keep making games with Mario in them. Couldn't keep making karting games with Mario in them. So they used Toho characters to make a Mario Kart game. <laughs> But not just any Mario Kart game. Quite specifically, a Mario Kart Double Dash game. Because oh my God. <laughs> at the start of every game, you, you you choose your number of players, you go into the, the character selection, and you select two characters. Right, of course. One of which rides the other like a car. <laughs> Excuse me? And you could press a like button. A... You could press a button to switch between them. <laughs> I thought they were going to be like on a broom or, you know, nope. some obvious magic. Nope. They ride on each other. They on ride each, on each okay. other. Okay, like they're piggybacking. No, like one of them will be sort of like, not not quite T-posing, but, you know, sort of like flying with her arms stretched out. And the other one is standing like, on her like a surfboard. What? <laughs> and you know what the best part of all this is? It's really good. It's really, really good. It's like a very... You can tell it is made by ex-Mario Kart devs because it's really well made. It's so fun. I, that's, I, that's incredible. I know that you've come to listen to a game about... A podcast about fighting games, but... You should play Genso Sky Drift, <laughs> a racing game where you play as Shrine Maidens. <laughs> so then, Grand Finals winner's side was Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Which uh, I actually lost in, despite the fact that I was expecting to do quite well because I was apparently the only person in the room who had played it before. I had a sort of slightly. I didn't even know they had multiplayer. Yeah, it has a it has a battle mode where you both sort of grow eggs and then hit each other with them. It's very you strange. grow eggs. Yeah, in the way that you in the way that you do in Billy Hatcher, you know, you, you pick yeah, up the egg, you but feed I, it. I thought fruit. you'd like race them. No, no, you uh, you you feed. You, th- I think there probably is a race mode, but the, we were playing the battle mode because you know fighting game community, right? And you 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 know you just try and sort of you can roll your egg into your opponent, you can throw it at them, you can hatch it and attack them with the creature that lives inside. Okay, all that yeah, stuff. Sonic Sonic Team did some really strange things in the game. Yeah, yeah, Son- Son- Sonic Team doing weird stuff is a it's a good aesthetic. But Billy Hatcher is a good aesthetic. I want to play that game again though. Yeah, that game's pretty good. So yeah, I lost in Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, but then I won the reset in a game called Destrager. So Destrager is a very weird game that was actually a lot of fun. Um, it's like I'm I'm really struggling to describe the aesthetic, but it's sort of like fantasy-ish. It's like ja- I guess sort of PS One era Japanese developer perspective on sort of. I guess a Western fantasy aesthetic, sort of. There's a lot of like, you know, priests with their own kinds of magic and stuff like that. But there's also, you know, men with very long, beautiful red hair and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I kind of get. It. And the uh, the central mechanic is that on each of the square, triangle, and circle buttons, there's a different spell. But if you press a second button while <laughs> your first spell is charging, it will do like a hybrid version of those two spells, and then you can do. A, 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 you know, a super spell that is all three spells together, and you sort of run around uh, these arenas, shooting spells at each other, trying to reduce each other's health to zero, and stuff like that. But what really impressed me about Destrago was that one of my spells was like a seismic impact thing that yeah. uh, but interacted dynamically with the terrain. Like <laughs> wow, it would, okay. Whenever it, so it would move towards my opponent, and when it hit the ground, it would do a shockwave. 
But because the ground yeah. was lots of different heights, sometimes it would hit the ground in a different place and vary where the shockwave came from. And I was like, wow, mm. that's really impressive. They didn't need to do that. This but, is from the uh, Dynasty Warriors team. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. But I, I believe it. It was, it was a very weird game, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I guess the other thing I wanted to mention is that in the, in the loser's side, uh, Sonic Smackdown was played, which is... That's, that's not Kusoge. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, it's great, not. but it's, I mean, it's, it's Kusoga in the same way Marvel is. Right, exactly, because it is literally exactly Marvel vs. Capcom 3. There's <laughs> just legitimately Sonic. animations from Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but it's yeah. not a tag game. Yeah, no, it's not a tag game, that is true, but if you've ever you wanted be to see... Blaze like, the Cat doing... If you ever wanted to see Shadow do Akuma combos, you should you should yeah. download and play Sonic Smackdown. Blaze the Cat does is the Shoto. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty good. I played it actually just yesterday with a friend, and mm -hmm. it's a little janky because they made it in like three months or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I played the version that they just released for the Sonic Amateur Games Expo, mm -hmm. which is like a really cool like once a year like showcase of a bunch of Sonic fan games, and it's like it legit feels pretty good. Except Tails is broken as fuck. <laughs> Tails has like the ability to like shooting mines in the air everywhere and then like nice. you just get hit by one of them and you get bounced around like a pinball and just yeah. get a free five hit combo anyway yeah i'm uh still salty about losing to tails in sonic smackdown hell yeah mood <laughs> i didn't actually i didn't actually get to play it while it was on i was i was playing probably i don't know guilty gear or something while that yeah. was actually on but yeah it's I, good it's marvel yeah, yeah. It's, it is marvel I'm aware. It's, it's real it's marvel 3 what do you want? Um, so <clears throat> yesterday, as of this recording, Roof Rage came out on the Switch. Hell yeah, Roof Rage owns. Yeah, Roof Rage is like, uh, what if they made Smash 64 into a martial arts themed uh, platform fighter? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I, the martial arts aesthetic is very much what it's going for. It's like, uh, the, the, I guess the most distinctive things about Roof Rage are, well, for me personally, I guess, is that it has a pound shop Jean Renault as a playable character. Which is funny, but uh, also yeah. <laughs> it has a universal tile roof tile throwing mechanic, which is just like, well, genius. Yeah, genius. everybody has a has a, like a ability to just like pick an an object and just throw it. Yeah, and it's like as they're like fast projectile, and you're on these you know these beautiful ornate you know pagoda rooftops, and you can just pick up the tiles and throw them at each other. It's great. Yeah, sometimes they're a boxing ring, sometimes they're a cyberpunk city. Yeah, yeah. But it's pretty cool. There's, like, much more hit stun than most platform fighters, so, like, makes it pretty easy to combo stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. It's, it feels very, like, um, it feels very distinct from Smash, I guess, and which is, you know, yeah. which your, your platform fighter does need to be, and it is, so. Yeah, it's, like, a, very much a platform fighter that shows a lot of fighting game sensibilities. Yeah, like, uh, traditional totally. 2D fighter sensibilities, and you can tell in the way they design their characters and the way like things combo and stuff like that. It's also like um, more digital; like it doesn't really rely on like a bunch of analog inputs. It's really like only eight directions, mm. so you can like comfortably play it on a stick. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna take it to locals and <laughs> see Hell if yeah. I can get some people to play it with me. Hell yeah. And we are so ahead of the curve that you can see us playing Roof Rage a year ago <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube.com. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll put the link in the description or something. 
yeah, Curly and I played it. Oh, the version is kind of old now, so yeah, I might return yeah. to it. It was pretty great then, so. Yeah, it was pretty good then, but now they added a bunch of stuff and the character updated the character art and stuff, so. Hell yeah. It's pretty snappy. You can play as, um, like, Thor in that game, right? Yeah, just like a Lady Thor. Oh, yeah, it's Lady <laughs> Thor. Hell yeah, it's awesome. There's a punk with a baseball bat. Yeah, cool game. Uh, there's Korean Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of Taekwondo he's doing, but uh, I don't know any Taekwondo where you do Hadokens. Uh, yeah, uh, there is a new trailer for um, Grand Blue Grand Blue Fantasy, Fantasy Versus. Yes, the so, final uh, trailer, right? Yeah, the final, the final uh, launch cast <laughs> trailer, I guess. So we were at, uh, I think, nine announced characters before this trailer, and then this trailer had two. So now we're at 11. Uh, this mm. trailer announced Vasaraga and Zeta, who are members of the society, who are, I don't know, presumably a faction within the world of Grand Blue Fantasy. I've played this game for <laughs> what must be an infinite amount of time, and I still don't really know who they are. But they look cool <laughs> as hell. They look cool as hell. So uh, Vasaraga is, like, the biggest man. Uh, he's, he's a huge, bulky dude wearing huge, bulky armor. He has a, a very you know sort of nasty looking helmet uh bandages on his face and has a giant scythe uh looks like a, a japanese style <laughs> warhammer character yeah pretty much yeah sort of yeah japanese style warhammer character is a very good way to put it actually he's um they they, they clearly knew what they were doing when they were making the trailer because there's a clip of him <laughs> punching charlotta who is tiny and he's right. massive and it's the she's the like biggest. three feet tall yeah it's like uh, they like they did this already with the uh, the Ladiva trailer where uh, Ladiva has this like I guess it must be a super where she kicks the she kicks the opponent in the face and there's like because she's a wrestler there's like a zoom cut of the sort of the strip like you know the foot in the face and it's like yeah. it, it, it lingers on the the one that is kicking Charlotta in the face because they they want to show all these massive characters being mean to Charlotta which is not allowed you have to be nice to Charlotta but it is also very funny and then so yeah Vasaraga he's he's angry he's got a big scythe he's cool he shoots you know lasers I guess um, Zeta is the smug spear girl she's very cool as well uh, you know she's got a long spear. That's pretty good. You know, it's, uh, from what I played of the game, poking each other with long buttons is going to be quite important, and spears are pretty long. So, yeah. She also has a. It's been pointed out to me that she has a super animation that was shown in that trailer that looks eerily similar to uh, Bardock's level three from Dragon Ball Fighters. Like it has <laughs> the same cuts. It ends in the same shots with the, like shooting the uh, the laser beam up, like diagonally up the screen. It's quite funny. There's a. Uh, there's probably some. A tweet that has the like video of them side by side. It's, it's funny, but yeah. Also in that trailer, they mentioned that Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is coming out in on Fe February sixth, which I think was known already. But also this week, uh, we just got news that Uniclear, the the next version for Undernight in Birth, has a release date set for February the twentieth, which is uh, precisely just... two weeks after Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which is rude if you ask. Our me. system is coming to coming to rob us in February, yeah. and they're oh. telling us to prepare. Yep. They're like, you better have some Christmas money left over because we're going to yeah. take it. Yeah, and these games also, they both have, you know, fucking lurid collector's editions as well. So if, you, oh, if you're that yeah. kind of person, you've got you've got some spending to do. 
Look, if you're somebody who is into Grand Blue, I think that you're that person. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. I uh, see you counting the change in your jar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so February the sixth to February the twentieth is going to be one hell of a hell of a stretch for people who like anime fighting games. And speaking of people who like fighting games. Uh, the canons have something something to share with us about fighting games. What, what, what mm-hmm. were they saying in the fighting games news this week? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. The the canons the canons run the, the 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 you know the Riot Fighting Games Studio. Yep. So, uh, I forgot what the what the studio's name actually is. Yeah, I, I can't remember. They made Rising Thunder. It's a real good game. They got bought by so the the, the canons uh, is it Dean and Tony Cannon? I think. Uh, Evo founders, um, they uh, <clears throat> they made uh, a netcode system called GGPO, which is quite widely used in the uh, fighting yep. games community now. Which they recently made free, actually. So if you're interested in developing a fighting game at all, you can just go and get a very well made uh, netcode system for it from yep. them. It's great. But they also made Rising Thunder, a very good fighting game, which we'll probably talk about on the show a lot more. Uh, over the time and now uh, Riot Games having bought them have set them about making a League of Legends fighting game yeah which is kind of what everybody suspected for like a long time yeah I guess like they you know they didn't buy them for their netcode clearly so uh, <laughs> it was it was always a matter of time until Riot Games announced a fighting game but it was part of this big big push from Riot Games to get into all of the digital content. They announced a fighting game, a shooting game, a card game. They were going to bring animated two, series. Yeah, animated series, which, by the way, looks unbelievably expensive. I can't believe that. It looks so I mean, so they have nice. more money than God. <laughs> they do. It's true. I, I just... I. I was, I was I was just blown away, I guess, because some like you know some animated series that are you know self sufficient don't look that good. So I guess this is the feature of you know yeah they're, they're kind of on the Blizzard on. level. Yeah, well that's it, right? It's definitely them trying to establish themselves as a Blizzard level player in the in the the digital content space. But yeah, um, <laughs> they're like, look, motherfuckers, we can do it. We can do cinematics just as good as Blizzard. Yeah, and so, we're gonna show you that and prove it by doing a whole series, I guess. Yeah, right. So the fighting game is an interesting one, actually, because uh, unlike the you know the MOBA, the auto chess game, the animated series, the trading card game, like those are all bankable, right? If you yeah. are a big media company, <laughs> you either already have or are thinking about getting one of those. Nobody yeah. is bringing out a fighting game to boost their profile, right? It just yeah. doesn't. I mean, doesn't Capcom happen. can barely make money. Right, exactly. Off Street Fighter. Capcom, Capcom, the the fighting game maker. Are, you know, by all by yeah, all business accounts, one. kind of fucking it up right now. The game is great, but like, it's not. It didn't sell very well, and they were very transparent about that. And then they made Marvel like, Capcom Na- Infinite. I mean, and that Nam- game didn't sell very well. Yeah, yet. and Namco's making like a lot of money on Tekken, but like, I don't even think they're anywhere near Capcom money. So no, like the uh, the. Um, so yeah they like the it's been said for a long time and the sort of the numbers that we have seem to support this that uh, mortal Kombat and like the other netherrealm software games do the best financially of any uh, fighting game like sales wise because yeah. they have huge appeal to people who will buy a fighting game to have a mess around with their friends like, yeah you know, they have tons of casual appeal right exactly people like people, people buy them buy for the characters the yeah. story yeah they and, have very you know, well developed all the extra uh, content 
very well developed single player things and you know people want to buy a game to just mess around and do fatalities with people want to buy games with superman in them you know that kind of thing and uh right yeah so you can make superman punch the teenage mutant ninja turtles in the face yeah right exactly <laughs> so i was talking about this on twitter a bunch but like uh when i spoke about it around evo when uh the, they mentioned that they were working on a fighting game is that like it's this is really the first time in a long time or maybe ever that we've seen a company that was trying to make a big play for a big like you know market section include a fighting game as part of that push and mm -hmm. i i suspect i oh, my, my my crackpot theory i guess what you'd call it is that uh this is going to if it does well this is going to trigger or even if it doesn't do well, well maybe before it's even come out this is going to trigger a, a fighting games gold rush that will lose yeah. a lot of people a lot of money. <laughs> World of Warcraft style. Yeah, exactly. Everybody getting into the genre without really knowing what the fuck they're doing. Well, not even without, like, like, because, you know, I mean... I, I mean, I there's plenty of people who can make, like, a good fighting game, but, like, fundamentally, yeah. like, if you make that many, like, there are not many are going to stick around. Like, yeah, right. we, saw, we saw in the 90s, like, how many people tried to do that in, like, mm. the 2000s. Yeah. I guess I don't. I don't even mean like making bad ones. Like I think they could make good ones and still lose a bunch of money because I just oh, yeah. don't think I mean, the market is that big. Oh yeah, I mean, there's only so much big. space, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I mean, but it will be interesting, right? Because the thing is that with businesses these bit this big, what they do, like even if a bunch of them, you know, roll out and fail instantly, like like Artifact mm. did in the TCG space, the things <laughs> the that they did, like the we will be able to learn from the wreckage, which. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of wreckage right exactly if it happens there will be a lot of wreckage to sift for interesting design lessons and i think yeah that, everybody's trying to get good. on the highway at the yeah. same time yeah exactly so it will be interesting to see what people with a lot of money who have never made a fighting game before do when they make a fighting game yeah yeah i think by just the sheer um size and force of resources the Riot fighting game is probably going to be successful. Well, yeah, probably change I mean, that is the probably landscape but like, of you, fighting games in some way. Yeah, but I mean, you say that, but like that was a an interesting thing about Artifact, right? Because uh, like before Artifact came out, we would all have believed that anything Valve did would be too big to fail. But Artifact completely yeah. tanked. <laughs> it completely tanked to such a degree that you know months later they took it back down like yeah we know this is terrible but the things that are terrible about it are baked into its core so we're gonna have to completely change it if we want to bring it back yeah and but then they also can do that right oh yeah totally totally like it's not a, afford to do it it's not gonna sink the company but it's like it's it's interesting that we've seen one of these companies that is so big fail to the extent that they have to actually pedal back on that decision they can't yeah. just prop it up with money right and that's reportedly why this fighting game took so long to get announced mm. because they just kept uh recreating it and like yeah, rebuilding yeah. prototypes they, until we, they found something they were happy with we definitely got the uh the, the impression that development has restarted at least once maybe more yeah at least yeah 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 it sounded like there was a lot of prototypes and stuff and like ideas that they were tossing around um I guess like a lot of people have a lot of hopes also there's like this weird because of rising thunder and kind of the way he targeted it and introduced new ideas there's kind of like this weird undercurrent that feels like a lot of people are kind of pinning their hopes on it to be like 
the game that suddenly makes everybody recognize fighting games or something yeah see that's the the reason that i think the gold rush is destined to fail if indeed it does happen because i don't think there is a fighting game that will make everyone suddenly get fighting games i think yeah that, that, i mean like maybe, maybe like, i think i don't know i think like a lot of people will try fighting games yeah for sure and a lot of people will try to make them um but the people who stick around are ultimately not going to be that many just because of the fundamental nature like the fundamental nature of like what fighting games are yeah like you you talked about that on the first episode like the like design of like the symmetrical combat and like um individual kind of play mm. is just impossible to kind of square with the style of like more popular games that everybody kind of enjoys yeah, right like a bunch of people like it's 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 fighting games are bad at, like video games in general are bad at getting you ready for that kind of confrontation and fighting games currently don't ease you in well and this is one of the things that i think is going to be most interesting about the league of legends fighting game like mm. if it's uh it's interesting it's going to be interesting to see the ways in which they sort of on-ramp new players because realistically this is going to be a part of their launcher right it's going to be sat alongside league of legends teamfight tactics the card game and now this fighting game and yeah. so every time you open it you're going to have to contemplate these other games as you know as part of the design of these launchers or whatever but like how are they going to make this game a slippery smooth transition between oh, i've just played a few games of league of legends or you know i'm not really feeling like playing league of legends today why don't i play this and like right. for most fighting games if you were to do that it would be completely un like impenetra impenetrable you would not really be able to get into it just because of how hostile those games are from like a basic experience design perspective mm -hmm. and we have never had like we've never had a fighting game designed with such a view to just basic user experience right yeah the assumption is that you buy the fighting game because you like fighting games and you want to really get into punching people in the fighting game yeah Whereas... and like there's tons of uh examples people point out for like games that kind of teach you them and who have like extensive tutorials mm. and stuff yeah. but it it's hard to make them not feel like homework right exactly exactly like the best like the best fighting games that people recommend for getting into fighting games are people recommending you really well written but huge books on fighting games whereas there are right. no yeah. there are no games there, there are no games that teach you how to play them by being games and i'm really interested right. to see mm. if something as expensive as league of legends can be that yeah, but I also think that there's a lot of um, people who kind of feel like they saw Rising Thunder and they're like, oh, yeah, if somebody can just make a big budget Rising Thunder, then, you know, I'll be able to play fighting games. And I feel like in the time that's passed, there's also been like a lot of games that have kind of um, done similar ideas in like really interesting ways. Yeah, totally. I mean, we talked and, like, about this, I don't know, sometime, but like... Rising Thunder has a striking similarity to the uh, systems in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, right? <laughs> yeah, Grand Blue, um, like uh, Blade Strangers, uh, Pocket Rumble, yeah, Pocket things Rumble. like that. That game owns. Yeah, that like really make an effort to make uh, like a lot of the other other stuff uh, more upfront. Mm. Make specials like really easy, easy yeah, yeah, in yeah. the requirements, and like make it like more transparent as far as like. Like, uh, Pocket Rumble literally has a bar on screen, and every time you do a move, it shows, like, how many frames it's going to take to recover. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Things like, like that. It took me a, a real long time to figure out what it actually meant, but when I did, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I definitely feel like 
if like this is a thing that interests you or like just people in general like they should um you know try some of these other games mm. and like you don't really need to like i feel like a lot of people are gonna like wait and put pin their hopes on it yeah but there's like tons of other games that you can like get into mm-hmm. and like that explore the same similar ideas um this one is going to be interesting and it's going to be a flashpoint just by the sheer size yeah yeah but you know there's plenty of like small spaces being explored yeah doing like my, similar uh, interesting things yeah that and like yeah so like my big wish for this game is basically to see like what the hearthstone of fighting games ends up being right like hearthstone yeah. was a game that believed that card like card games digital card games could be fun but made it like took it upon itself to convince you of that fact whereas you know the contemporaries at the time games like magic the gathering online were like what are you doing here if you don't already really really like magic the gathering right yeah like hearthstone took a lot of the like complicated and like esoteric stuff out of magic Mm, yeah and it's like, what are the core ideas of this game? Yeah. And that was for better and, and like, for worse, right? Like, you know, yeah. some people, like I was one of those people who tried Hearthstone and was like, well, I see what this is doing, but I, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I, I'm too, I'm too into magic to, you know, really get in, into this game. But the way that Hearthstone's user experience got built, got stripped out and put into a, a bunch of other games, including eventually Magic the Gathering. So <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see how that works in this case. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean... I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not going to be, I'm not really that person who's like looking forward to it. I think I am, you know, I expected not to be, but then the first trailer came out and I saw like the animations and uh, one of the, like the, the first characters is Ari and I played Ari a lot when I played that game. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm actually quite excited for this game. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, that's one of the reasons why I'm like, like I'll play it. Like, sure. But like, <laughs> I never played League of Legends. I don't have yeah, any attachment yeah, yeah. to these characters, and like a big part of like playing fighting games is like feeling the attachment to those characters. Yeah, so like until like the game is like fully formed in front of me, it's gonna be hard for me to like begin, you know, um, projecting myself onto yeah. anything in it. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Because right now it's just like <laughs> like three seconds of gameplay, and yeah, like yeah, like. Some dudes in a training stage, yep. <laughs> and then some guys talking in abstract about ideas about fighting games. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, you know, like, I need to see like, like once it's once it's fully formed, like, you know, it'll be kind of uh, easier to see what it's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I or guess what kind of game it's even gonna be. Another thing that was weird about this announcement, no, not weird, but you know, slightly unusual, I guess, was that. Uh, the fighting game footage that we saw like you say it was about six seconds total and uh, it looked fairly early on and was described as pre-alpha footage and this is what we were talking about with the the dev being restarted and stuff it very much felt like the the game had been sort of i don't want to use the word rushed because it has like negative connotations but it felt like the game had sort of like what that was there had sort of been hurried to this stage for this you know this this big push that Riot were doing, and that we probably yeah. won't see this game again for a very long time. I'm saying I'm saying at least two years. Yeah. Like from what I saw, like this looked like pre-alpha, and not in like we're saying it's pre-alpha, so like you don't make final impressions. Hmm. It felt like pre-alpha, as in like we are legitimately, we finally have a concept that we are comfortable sharing. Yeah. 
but we don't have much of Ellis. Like it looked like they had basic systems and stuff in there. Yeah, but... yeah. I mean, they had a they had the whole fucking like, like Ari did this one animation that was exactly one of uh, Iori's moves from KOF. I was like, that's, that's a cool <laughs> yeah. animation. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, you know, this is very down the line stuff. Yeah, it's hard to get anything solid from that. But yeah, that's uh, those were the big developments, I guess. Recently, yeah, wow. news news ran on a long time this week, huh? But that's cool. It was all yeah. good news. Yeah, we had a whole bunch of cool things to talk about, and we've got another cool thing to talk about, which is our main game for this week: Senko no Rond Two. Yeah. Senko no Ron 2. This is like the most niche me bullshit that there <laughs> yeah. has ever existed. Yeah, like... Like, Amar, what kind of bullshit are you into? I'm like, uh, let's see. Fighting games, uh, bullet hell shooters, <laughs> beat em up. I'm like, okay, Mac, what Mac if you anime. just like... Yeah. Mac anime. What if we just put them all together? Yep. I'm like, I'm like, okay, motherfucker. Yeah, sure. That's real? <laughs> that's a thing that's for real? Yeah. So, completely by chance, I had actually played this game already when Arma first mentioned it to me, just because I sort of found the, the demo on the, uh, the PSN store. And I, yep. like, I had a look at it, and I was, it was completely impenetrable to me. Like, the demo did, not, it did in no way explained how the game worked, how you were meant <laughs> to play it, what the systems were. It was just like, here's the game, go, play against this AI, and I was like, what? What is happening? Yeah, it's it's like some of the most niche um, fighting game stuff because like it just assumes like like uh, fluency and like three different sh like three different genres. Yeah, exactly. And also and the kinda, unique things yeah. that emerge from the intersection of those three genres. Yeah. So to like give a broad description of it, it's sort of like what if you took the choreography of Macross mech battles and then turned it into a one-on-one -on -one fighting game? Yeah. And like, but it has so, the uh, it has the sort of the I guess the grammar of it, it's more akin to the I guess the what we call arena fighting games where you can you know you have powerful movement options and you can move in not actually uh, you can move in two dimensions and uh, but like you know it's top down yes. rather than side on if you see what I mean yeah so basically if you took something like a virtual on or a Gundam versus hmm. which is like very much about that like movement and positioning and then you kind of put it into a top down like a shoot 'em up view. Mm -hmm. And a circular arena, then that's kind of what you get. Um, so you get that top-down view, and your characters. One of like the big things that's like really hard for people to get over initially is that it looks like something you would play with like twin sticks, right? Yes, yes, it really does. It feels like something that you should be able to move and then use a second stick to aim with. But it was like also it's um, developed by G Rev. Mm -hmm. which is a studio mostly known for shmups and it was developed for the arcade yes so you know naturally that kind of limits your inputs and stuff like that yeah um, and, and it's designed for like a regular arcade stick mm. it has that feel as well like if, if you've played a lot of games that were initially designed for arcades you can kind of tell that it's one of those like it, it, it leans a lot on you know eight directional inputs doesn't use the second stick at all it just has Mm -hmm. but yeah it has a small number of buttons and then a com like other buttons which are actually just macros of those yeah. first you know combinations of those first yep. four buttons yeah so the is like a studio who's kind of like um 
the same way Treasure is like a spinoff of Konami, G-Rev is the spinoff of like Taito. They're very much known for their shmups, and this is like pretty much the one of their few non-shooter, well, <laughs> non-shooter games. Um, this is like their only fighting game. Mm. Um, it's pretty unique. Uh, like I said, like you kind of think that you should feel because uh, it's arcade origins, kind of like if you don't know it was originally an arcade game, it feels like oh, I should be able to play this with twin sticks, but instead you're always facing each other and you don't have really um direct control of your fire most of the time mm. so similar to a fighting game you always face your opponent and you always shoot towards them which can make it like frustrating if you're like don't quite understand right away because yeah, yeah. um you always most of your attacks will directly shoot towards your opponent but they can kind of be easily dodged by yeah, just it's, moving it's, normally yeah, or it's weird to get you got powerful to, dashes like, you're uh, your mm. opponent like you always fire straight towards your opponent, but your opponent's always moving, so it feels like you always miss when you start out. It's strange, yeah. but you get used to it. And there's like, there's small modifiers you can do, like if you hold down a certain button, you can like, you know, change the angle yeah, of your shot and stuff like and that. Stuff like that yeah. yeah, but the idea is more that you're not trying to directly shoot them. It's not a test of your aim, mm. right? It's not like the the, it's not like a shooter where the, it's testing your dexterity and your ability to like yeah uh, track yeah. a target yeah it's track it's testing your positioning and your like tactical thinking, yeah right like it much less than trying to make sure your shot hits them you're trying to put out shots such that they can't get around them quickly enough. like it's... yeah you you're trying to put them in a situation where they can't dodge your bullet yes exactly because that's that's the uh that's the sort of shmup dna that the game is leaning into right it's like you know yeah, that's what it's going. And so this is very much a bullet hell style of shooter. Yeah, and, and, and how? It, <laughs> yeah, it feels like every character is like a small um, bullet hell boss mm. in terms of like the kind of bursts of bullets they can put out. Yeah, and bullet patterns they can put out, and then you can kind of tell what kind of style um, each character is by you know the way their bullets behave and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the basic controls are just there's like a shoot button, there's a sub weapon button, there's a um, action button which can be used to dash, block, and change the um, properties of your regular weapons. And then there's like for this version, um, for Senka Noron 2 specifically, they added uh, assists. Yeah. So Which are like super powerful moves. Yeah. So, quick aside, I, I found that uh, this game was published in the US by Ubisoft under the name WarTech. Yeah, the first game was published by Ubisoft for 60 US dollars. Hell yeah. Um, 2007, baby. Crazy times. 2007. For the, uh, for the Xbox 360, really, no less. Yeah, it pretty much just got universally panned because everybody thought it was a shooter, a competitive yeah, so shooter. For, for, so unless, if you can't see this box, I encourage you to to go to the Wikipedia page for WarTech <laughs> subtitle Senkona Rond and look at this box art because it, this is a fucking high high fantasy high space fantasy anime mech game where you know everyone in the mechs is beautiful and disinterested in the combat and the box. Yeah is the brownest ass tactical military robot holding a gun that looks as much as possible like an actual US Army shotgun. 
and being chased down by a similarly bland-looking robot in a very bland-looking skyscape. It's nothing like yeah. the aesthetic of this game whatsoever. Like they I, like completely failed to sell the like yeah. shoujo anime aesthetic. It's very very and shown in like yeah. It's so weird. Ubisoft didn't know what to do. They didn't even have a moves list in the game. Like, I own two copies of Vortex <laughs> because of, like, a weird way that it worked out that I, like, bought one and then I found one in the shop for even cheaper, but then I couldn't cancel the other one. I'm like, oh, no. fuck it. I paid $10 total for these two copies of Vortex. <laughs> I don't care. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, there's no moves list, and there are, like, motion moves you can do. Yeah, yeah. You, you would, I would have to figure out, like, what the characters did because mm. they made it more universal in two, but in one they had, like, sort of different motions. To figure out what the characters had to do, like, I went to the gallery in the video game and I had to <laughs> zoom in on, like, art of, like, the arcade marquee <laughs> to see the moves. Like, that is so like, good. Like, they didn't, they did not sell it as a fighting game. Everybody thought it was some competitive shooter. Like, you can't even fucking aim at the other guy. This game sucks. <laughs> yeah. It should have been a $15... No, but I guess then they would have fucking thought it was should have been a ten dollar Xbox Live arcade game. Yeah, probably. So uh Yeah, and then the sequel never came out. And instead of um that ever coming out here, uh which was originally called Senko Norand Duo, instead they just basically remade it as Senko Norand 2. Hell yeah. And uh this is the new version. It's mostly the same, a little faster, and um uh, weirdly they replaced all the character art. Okay. Like the the original character art is a little bit like feels like a little more pastel or watercolorish right, right. and is leans a little bit more towards like a shoujo vibe mm. like everybody's still like you know shonen in like yeah, weird yeah. anime fashion right like fur coats and like heart-shaped suits that are like weirdly cut on that seem like impossible to put on yeah yeah and things like that um they just like change the art style for the characters to be like a little bit more shonen i guess is the way i would describe it yeah i think it's just like weird and like if you play the story mode like still has the original uh character oh, art. right okay so you're just like okay sure i think the thing that struck me about this game while i was while i was looking through the uh the web page with the characters on it so I could find the name of my favorite character, <laughs> which was weird, by the way, and we'll get to that later. But I was looking through all these characters, I had pictures of all the characters, and I was like, this show, this this game has nailed the character design of a sort of mid-2000s anime that you didn't watch, <laughs> yeah. that you didn't watch. And I think probably maybe like one person you know watched it, and they said it was all right. But, like, the characters have exactly that look about them. It's it's really quite something. I'm impressed. Yeah, they feel like something like the Eureka 7 team made, but yeah, that wasn't yeah. as popular as Eureka 7. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they have, like, they all have names that feel like they were trying to one-up the people who do UC Gundam. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So, uh... Just, like, weird combination of, like romance language stuff like fake french names combined with like fake chinese names yeah one of the uh, one of the mechs is called castrato which i thought was a bit on the nose but okay so <laughs> one of my favorite characters is named fabian fabian the fast, the man. fast man hell yeah <laughs> like sonic the hedgehog or something i guess like the is literally is i don't know if that's his second name or his middle name yeah all right, so let's let's give the people a soundbite. You, Armor, as the person on whom this game's bullshit is the most, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. For our for our podcast about the aesthetics of fighting games, what is the aesthetic of Senko no Ronda Two, and why would it make you want to play it? Oh man, it's just uh, we were listening to the soundtrack, and you described it as everybody is in a cool ass mech, but they're sad about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like it's that crossed with like the aesthetics of. Um, you know that macross choreography mm, yeah but uh but also sometimes you get to play as the spaceship like the <laughs> space battleship yamato oh yeah you do so before we get onto that i guess i'll just say that yeah i think what is really cool about this game is that it nails you know like you say everyone is everyone is in it everyone is in a fucking cool ass mech the mechs look dumb in a cool way like there are mechs that look like you know little there are mechs that look like cute girls there are mechs that look like sort of fucking dorky ass samurai but then everyone in them is very serious about it they're all very sad and it's like the music has these like really somber like piano bits while you're doing these these beautiful dances with loads of bullets everywhere weaving through everything yeah it's really cool it's very uh gundam unicorn <laughs> yeah right it's very it's very somber in a way that is like very cool for a game that is mostly about dancing between not dying yeah, I mean, that's not totally carried over into the story, but that's definitely the tone of, like, the actual fight. Yeah, this is coming from me, who has never played the story and never will. I, uh... I played a little bit of the story. It starts with everybody being disappointed that your amnesiac protagonist showed up because they thought you were the person who was going to fix the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So there's some of that, but then there's also, like, you know, the warring factions of earth in space uh, yes, um, and some super weapon that caused some great catastrophe that split them apart mm. things like that you know rebels destroying factories to sow confusion like that style of style of mech anime politics with you know some code gear style yeah yeah <laughs> school bullshit yeah that's it the code gear style school it comes it comes across in the character designs as well like these are people who <laughs> i guess must fight in giant robots for a living but also have like you know track suits on like nose bandages that kind of thing some of them are yeah like you say addressed to the nines some of them are just at school i guess there is an androgen an s an Sorry, there is an androgynous um, android who also dresses in a maid outfit. Why wouldn't you? I mean, why wouldn't you? I, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm not saying I would. But why wouldn't you? <laughs> if you could. The back the backstories on these mechs are really good too. Uh huh. I actually I did not delve into any of that. I must say. The androgynous android <laughs> drives a sports mech. Say that four times fast. The really good. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of them that you uh, previously alluded to, Jasper Hillquit Hongo. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker drive, <laughs> drives a Saiga, which is... <laughs> the, the mechs are called Rounders, and it says, This rounder was produced in a business collaboration with the popular children's superhero show, Robo Saiga. Oh, that's the, that's the fucking collaboration one. It's the samurai mech. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's head looks like one of those ninjas that got those round straw hats. Yeah, a big round, like, bamboo hat, I guess. Yeah. It's, it, it also spe specifies that he has, like, the limited edition version of it. <laughs> and he's fighting, like, wars with it. Yeah, he's a mech nerd. Just like the rest of us. Very, very seen by this, I think. Yeah, so that's kind of the aesthetic you're working with. Yeah. Um, as for the game itself, like, 
Oh, it is like one of the densest things I've ever played. <laughs> it's like it's a lot. It's like yeah, it's it's yeah, it's dense. It's really dense. Like I alluded to it earlier, but you kind of have to have an idea of like how fighting games work, how bullet hells work, and kind of how the specific like virtual on Gundam style um arena fighter works to kind of understand it. Yeah, I guess I so I wouldn't um I wonder does this game does this game function if you don't know a lot about those those things maybe Oh yeah it absolutely does but it's like that's the thing that it's working with Yeah yeah and like you like you uh you might eventually get to that mindset uh just by playing the game and I think you can hmm. but it uh, but like those things are baked into the design of how um it was made Yeah I guess uh... like, there's a lot of weird interactions because hmm. the because th the thing about it is like it's very long range focused, yeah. right? Like similar to Gundam, you actually don't ever want to get close. Like melee attacks can do a lot of damage and stuff like that. Yeah, but they're yeah. generally pretty risky. Yeah, and there's like specific conditions you kind of want to ha have available to you before you like attempt to do them, um, rather than like fighting games where they kind of value getting in on somebody mm. and then oh, watching them whiff and then you know yeah. doing your sick combo on them and stuff like that but then equally there are suits in this game that prefer to be at very long ranges suits that prefer to be at very close ranges and there is like at least the suit that i ended up playing quite a lot it was like it was uh it wanted to do most of its bullet stuff quite close up and that meant that it was able to threaten the melee attack to establish that i guess mm-hmm yeah, there's definitely a huge variety of in play styles. Yeah, yeah. But there's kind that of was like one of the things we noticed a lot. So, like similar to Gundam, there's like a lot of uh, like a lot of different approaches in that. Like some ships will just you know they'll be the hero one that you just kind of shoot people, and then you can you kind of have a couple different other variations of shots that you can use to you know try to corner somebody with. Mm. Some of them have a big laser. Some of them have like a shot that splits off into a bunch of other shots. Yeah. Right. Um, and then some of them have like satellite lasers that they can um, put across the arena that will take the tracking on certain homing missiles. Yeah. yeah. That your opponent shoots or can be shot into to like kind of redirect the fire to hit them from like weird angles. Yeah. Yeah. One of them has like a special attack that you can use uh you can burn meter there's meter in this game oh yeah hell yeah there is um you can use like you can burn meter to like leave a trail of laser beams around that uh your opponent can't walk through and then explodes into a bunch of smaller laser beams yep. it's bullet hell baby there's one That's of them the that yeah one of them uh completely free aims the only person on the cast who does oh, that oh yeah so yeah, whatever yeah. direction you move you'll shoot you know you'll free aim uh, he has very low health, but can kind of like send out the some of the trickiest patterns. Yeah. And then one of them's a ninja. <laughs> yep. One of them is a ninja. Yeah. His his special weapon is that he just throws four smoke clouds, and you can hold a direction, and you can teleport to any of them mm -hmm. or none of them. Yeah. And then throw shurikens at people. Yep. It's it's one. You know, one of them just negates bullets hmm. and reflects them back as the special attack. Yeah. I guess this is one of the things about making a game that is like drawing heavily 
it, drawing heavy inspiration from Bullet Hell as a genre, right? Because Bullet Hell is a game, it's a genre that thrives on making cool new patterns of bullets for people to sort of weave delicate paths around, right? And like, if your brief is, we're going to make fighting game characters that do those patterns, there's a lot of there's a lot of patterns for you to say, hey, let's make a character that does this, make a character that does this, we can take this from this game, this from this game, this from this game. And because it's undertrodden as a sort of genre hybrid, you, you know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of new ground to be, to be struck there. Yeah, and you can do a lot of things that would be unfair if you were playing a regular, like, shooter, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're playing a regular shooting scroller, scrolling shooter, like, tracking bullets are really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, because they kind of can get you into, like, really bad spots. Yeah, yeah. Where you can't dodge the rest of the patterns, but that's this entire game. Yeah, exactly. And to add to that um, as well, uh, there is, a, a like, a shielding system where you you know if, if if a pattern is literally impossible for you to dodge you can shield it but you have to like identify that it's a pattern that you can't dodge through and it mm-hmm. might be too late by then and it and you have to have the resources yeah, it costs me to, to do that so, like. yeah so let's back up a little bit we'll talk about the basic systems just so we can kind of talk about how to interact yeah yeah um yeah so there's the there's the basic shots there's you know main shot sub weapon both of these have ammunition yes but not in that like you have a limited amount of them but you have a limited amount of them before they reload yeah, it's more like a cooldown i guess yeah there's a cooldown before you use it again um which is denoted by like a circle around your character like already making some of the hud like difficult yeah, to read it's not, right? it's not remotely obvious what that is when <laughs> when you start the game it's only when you finish yeah. firing and you see it turn red that you're like oh it's an ammo meter yeah and then you got a shield which you can use um every time your shield gets hit you lose meter and it disperses so you that, always meter. Have that meter. it disperses that meter as little nuggets that your opponent can pick up to gain meter yep you cannot pick them up but your opponent yeah. can so it really um the same button if you, you press it while uh moving you will dash and so it really values your dash yes yeah a lot of this game is dashing. Uh, most characters, I feel, have like two or three dashes that you can use. Um, you can dash in one direction and then hold a different direction to kind of change the arc of it. Mm. But you could also like totally reverse it or hit it up, hit at a right angle with a second dash or third dash. Yeah. So a lot of it is kind of tracking your opponent's dashes yeah. and figuring out when you know they're going to come to a stop and then have that ending lag. Yeah, like reading and covering dashes is a big part of actually like scoring hits in this game. And like a weird thing is like your momentum carries a lot. Mm, yes. So like yeah. just letting go of the button won't stop you. Yeah, you have um, to. Make you have the, to tap it again in neutral. Yeah, you have to make the to, affirmative decision to stop moving, which again adds yeah, you a, have to tell it to break. Yeah, adds a layer of making sure you're absolutely sure in which direction you want to move or indeed not move. Yeah, especially if you're going through like. A big cluster of bullets you want to make sure that you're positioning yourself you know at a good spot and not just kind of screeching into a, the other side of the bullet yeah. wall yeah. right the bullet curtain as it will <laughs> um and then you also if you're in a really bad spot you can use the bullet canceller mm-hmm. which is this a melee attack which you can also use as a melee attack but it takes up like a really long time to start up but it affects it effectively just like hits all the bullets and destroys them Mm -hmm. so you can use those like out of particularly dense um 
clusters of bullets to destroy them. Yeah. It won't work on things like uh, laser beams yeah, <laughs> for yeah. an obvious reason. You can't punch a laser beam, uh, but you can punch bullets and uh, rockets, I guess. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and then the big, the actual big hook that we kind of danced, we've been dancing around for a while, is that if you press like all the buttons except for the assist button, which the assists are like, uh, you know, we'll get into those in a little bit. Uh, but if you press like all the buttons, you basically use uh, one of your super meter stocks uh, separate from your like, you know, energy meter. Uh, you'll use it to turn into a giant like space station boss basically yeah because it's not a, it's not a bullet hell shoot em up without giant bosses but if you're a fighting game you know one of you has to be the boss so it's a super you spend a super to become a boss it's really cool so the screen cuts yeah. you your character gets a you know a cool pose the mech a cinematic yeah, super yeah the mech vanishes and then it comes back and it's fucking massive maybe the mech like slots into a bigger rig or sometimes literally just transforms into a giant battleship and when i when i say these things are big they're big like they fill the entire screen sometimes one of them is literally space colony sized yeah my favorite one is i think it's hongo uh-huh. um his mech doesn't even fucking get into another mech he just stands on top of the bigger mech yeah 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 <laughs> he's just unlike the other mech's shoulders but yeah it can be like a space station that covers up the sides of the screen and basically forces you to dodge laser beams and bullets in the small space between them yeah they have a, or it can be like a big snake yep. that's on one side that can like pivot its head and shoot bullets towards you or shoot like sweep across the screen with a big laser yeah, or like zigzag to the other side of the screen stuff like that like yep. a lot of effort has gone into making sure that these encounters with the boss fights which by the way can happen what well, can and will happen multiple times per game do actually feel like boss encounters like they have the same beats they have the same you know things that you're you should be paying attention to you know stuff like that do you very much start you kind of move into a different mode yeah, um, yeah. where you are like fighting a shooter boss yeah. and like it since you're kind of always aiming at them you know it it's kind of turns into like a side scrolling or vertical scrolling yeah. depending on because like weirdly um they'll go onto different sides of the screen like they'll always stay on the same side of the screen some of them will like always be horizontally oriented some of them will be always vertically oriented i think there is one exception to that but yeah pretty much yeah i mean you can kind of uh twist around the screen to change it a little bit yeah. but they kind of like you know pay homage to the different styles of the genre yeah, sort of, yeah. in like yeah. a, its own way right like they they feel um, like bosses you will have fought in other shooter mode games if you have played all of those games yeah you can kind of see like oh this is the Gra- gradius core boss or yeah something. yeah exactly and they they um, have and uh... importantly no, sorry, no go, ahead, go ahead i was gonna say they have like uh they have each of them has a, a unique and uh each of them has a unique and interesting relation to like shape. So one of them mm-hmm. will be uh, like a sort of flower-shaped thing that will just rotate at the top of the screen with like big petals, which act sort of like shields, which both uh, block your bullets, but also block its own bullets. So it can shoot these huge, you know, deluges of bullets uh, that you know it has to sort of make sure that you're not hiding behind one of these shields. But it can also shoot a weaker attack in a circle, and it's about like trying to balance trying to catch them mm. with the less powerful circular attack so you can tee them up for the bigger attack and 
hitting them with a like you know making them fear the small attack so that you can punish them with the big attack is the central mechanic of these boss fights everyone can press a heavy attack button to basically shoot a big laser beam that will do a chunk of damage but it's easy to yep. avoid and everyone does this so like as we yeah so you basically try to position them somewhere on the screen mm -hmm. where they can't escape your giant laser which is going to do the majority of the damage yeah exactly exactly meanwhile they're actually you can actually fight them back yep. so depending on i think it's how much meter you have mm -hmm. um the boss will be longer or shorter yeah, as in we'll have you can that, actually that much health it will have commensurate yeah, that much health, health, the amount of meter you go into the boss account encounter with. yeah yeah um and that's important because they have separate boss health bars right yes yeah. and you can destroy the bosses and you can destroy parts of the bosses yes. so that flower boss the um the, the petals those the petals shorts, that you yeah. can hide behind you can will stop those, you so. you can destroy those but then you can destroy them and you want to destroy them because uh they'll still the lasers come out yeah, of them they'll still block the bullets but you won't get hit by the lasers so it's pretty yeah. cool so you can like destroy those parts of them. So if you, so a lot of it becomes kind of like, when is the ideal situation that I can burn this mm, yeah. to um, stop my opponent? How can I corner them? Yeah. How can I use this resource well? And if you use it kind of sloppily and you like, it's not an autumn, like despite the size and like towering power of them, it's not like an automatic win. Mm, yeah, yeah. Especially you if you have to play like, smart. If you've used your boss stock a lot against and you, you've played someone a lot, they'll have experience dealing with mm. your boss form. And like, even though there is room for you to, you know, mix up and ch chop and change how you actually use your boss's attacks, someone who has learned how to beat your boss is not going to be as afraid of you popping that stock as someone who hasn't. That's very interesting. Yeah. And if they destroy you, they'll get a full meet. Yes, exactly. And... And, if you, uh, and you'll be in cooldown. Yeah, you'll be in cooldown. It's a massive so disadvantage. If you, you, and also, if you activate yeah. your uh, if you activate your boss form when you are on pixel health, you'll get the uh, the final boss form, which is a souped up, more powerful version of your boss. With the rider, that if the opponent destroys your boss form, you're dead. That's it. Yeah, you will lose the match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Once you uh, lose all your meter, you go into like overheat, so you can't use anything that uses meter. You can't use um, your boss form, um, and then so potentially they can destroy you, and uh, they can destroy you. Get all the meter, and then they will be in a position where they can use their boss form. Yeah, yeah. With full meter, and then put you at a huge disadvantage yeah. if you use it sloppily. So right. So there's still there's still a risk to use. Yes, it. absolutely. So this is a really cool thing about the uh, the boss forms is that so unlike the traditional fighting game resource system where it is a meter that you build over time, it is a number of stocks that you have oh, like, fixed at bit. the start of the game, and you earn one for each time you lose a round. So it's a it's a it's a number of things that. Hello. Hello. Can you not hear me? Uh oh. Hello. Uh, you you got cut off on a little bit on that last oh, okay. one. Okay, right. I I can still hear you and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's still happening. Hang on. Uh, no. Uh, I think you're good. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Everything okay? Sounds fine now. Okay. So we're just getting kind of cut off. Uh, um, I was, I was we were talking, talking about, about the boss stocks. forms. Yeah. So. Yeah, so yeah. a very cool thing about the the boss system, like the uh, so a very cool thing about the boss system resource being stock based is that it creates a very unusual way of betting those resources, right? Because the typical fighting game mm -hmm. resource system is meter based. It's a 
a meter that you build over the course of a game. You can perform actions to try and build meter if you want. You can, you know, you can bet how much meter you have, how much meter you'll need, stuff like that. Whereas a stock, and that, oh, sorry, yeah, and that kind of exists in the other meter. Yeah, form. absolutely. But you can use that to do like uh, special moves that use up that meter, and you can use it to like shield and stuff. Yes, like exactly. So the but the thing is that uh, the boss meter is stock based, so you have a fixed amount, and you get more at just like you just get one when you lose a round and that's it there's no other way to mm -hmm. get one so that means that if you spend them all they're gone until you lose which is quite interesting because it means that you can end up creating circumstances for yourself where it's going to be very difficult for you to win without this particular tool right mm -hmm. the other thing is that uh so as we've established going into your boss form is not a guaranteed source of damage or a kill because your opponent can if they're skilled and you're not mixing up your patterns enough avoid all of your shots and you know survive your boss form unscathed they can also destroy your boss so mm -hmm. what the what it means is that every time you use your boss it you know it um every time you use your boss you are like betting that you're going to be able to get enough value out of this boss that you're going to be able to you know secure the kill i guess it is because the other thing is that right. boss comes out in one frame so if you don't kill them as soon as your boss ends, they're going to boss you right back, right? And that's that's yep. not going to be very good for you. Another thing that uh, is the way that this intersects with the meter system in a way that I quite like is that uh, shielding, as we described, uh, consumes yep. meter to use, right? But what that yep. means is that if you're a particularly like aggressive boss, your opponent will probably be shielding your um, probably be shielding, you know, your uh, Shielding your attacks quite a lot, right? So that's going to deplete their yeah. meter. It might even mean that in order to survive your boss form, they end up in overheat mode. And that means that when your boss form ends, you've spent your boss stock, you can't use your boss again. They're in overheat mode. They can't use their boss stock. So you are scrabbling, frantically trying to kill them before they get their meter back and they can uh, boss you back again. And that's really interesting. That, like, that kind of tension, that kind of stress in the game is really fun i like that a lot yeah and then sometimes i would also be you know winning the match hmm. um and i would be up by a lot but i would intentionally use my boss stock to prevent you from using yeah, it yeah because because they're so powerful if you <laughs> you know if if they use one the threat is huge that you could be fucked up real bad and that the tide can swing the other way really fast so sometimes you just use it um either like sometimes it's good enough to just get them into overheat so they can't use their boss yeah, stock yeah. and since only one boss can be on screen at a time sometimes you just use it because like i'm gonna finish you off before you get the chance to burn yours yeah, exactly it's really cool i like the way even if plays. that means i'm at a disadvantage on the next yeah, one yeah so that's really cool and then like you said like you alluded to when you go down to um, your last health, you go into Vanish, what's called Vanish mode. And it basically turns you to like a regular shoot 'em up character where you basically get, you know, one more chance to uh, survive. Yeah. So when your, whole, when your whole health gets depleted, you basically have like, you can take one more mm -hmm. hit. So if you play really well, you can turn it around. And then that, you know, the threat of uh, that final boss like really makes it so there's tension until the end of the round. Hmm. because of like how much more powerful a final boss can be yeah yeah 
So I guess another thing about this game is that, um, so we talked before about how it has assists, right? Like uh, you pick yeah. a character to pilot your mech and then you also pick an assist character to give you a, a unique assist. And there's, so what I think that really surprised me about this game is how massively varied the, uh, the kinds of effects that assists provide are. Like, yeah, you... you usually think of assist of like, Cyclops comes in and shoots a yeah, laser so, beam or uh, something. In, in, in a traditional, uh, traditional, in a fighting game with assists, typically your assist does something like what a character in the fighting game would do. If you, yeah, it's usually just one of their right, special. Exactly, things. usually it's exactly something they would do. Whereas in this game, because the assists are not actually playable characters, they have to draw on something else. Because it's this shmup style game, you know, you've got your various genre influences like that, your uh, your Gradiuses and your your Rydens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the assists that you can get are things like options that will follow you around and do the same attacks that you're doing, mirror you like that. Some of them, they uh, they suck in bullets that your opponents might be firing at you within a certain area. Some of them change the directions of bullets. Some of them even carpet bomb entire areas of the screen, right? But there's one that really stuck out to me, which doesn't have a cooldown or anything. You can only use it once per match. But when you use it, it just instantly harpoons your opponent's boss from full health, just kills it dead which is like really interesting it has really interesting effects on the betting mini game that we were talking about you know making sure that like betting whether you can uh, actually secure the kill with your boss form whether you can't because if you you know obviously if you know that your opponent can instantly kill your boss that's going to you know change that math quite a lot that, that's really cool yeah yeah they can just like uh there's ones that like essentially will you know drop that huge bomb on the boss or they can fire a huge laser bigger than the boss's lasers and like you said, just totally yeah, destroy yeah, that. Yeah. Um, totally destroy them pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are limited and balanced in a way so that you can't really abuse them. But yeah, like you said, it changes that calculus a little bit. So there's like a constant um, tension between how you use resources in this game. Yes. Which is pretty interesting. Um, one of the assists is actually called an anti-field which is that bullet canceling one that explodes. Yeah, um, yeah. But interestingly, <clears throat> if you take enough damage, similar to kind of Gundam Versus, it basically does the equivalent of a hard knockdown in like a traditional yeah, fighting yeah. game, which is like a little bit weird because when you're sh when you're playing like a shooter or something, you want to constantly like be shooting the boss, right? Mm. Um, but if you basically do enough damage or get a good melee hit in... Um, It'll put them in a state where they get knocked down. You can't hit them, and all the bullets yeah, will be lock them down, give them time to reposition and stuff. It's yeah. that it's that concession to symmetry and completeness that we were talking about. Yeah, before, so you right? can't like re you can't just run away with it. And then there's also that um, vanish we talked about earlier, where basically if you lose all your health, you get one final knockdown, and then we're like, yeah. okay, you're playing this like a real shmup now. You better not yeah, uh, yeah. get hit even once yep. with the uh, you know caveat that you get that powerful ability to do the final boss and uh bring it back uh there's just like so much to take into consideration and like we didn't even like touch upon like different moves that you can use meter for yeah and, like yeah. different motions you can do with those to like make even more moves come out um yeah and this is like uh this is one of the things that aesthetically i really like about this game is that you know it's a it's a game where you play as these distinctive characters with distinctive you know styles and play styles but also like there's such a big variation in the characters that it means that like 
matchups feel matchups between two characters they feel very textured they feel very interesting they play out very very differently like even though your character has a clear and you know complete plan how that intersects with anyone else's plan is going to be very different because the fact of the matter is that the way in which you play this game is by creating and moving in amongst other people's patterns right like you you shoot bullets out in a pattern and you have to move through your opponent's bullet patterns and you know match up to match up the bullet patterns aren't going to be the same and also like <clears throat> some people's game plan leans on being able to move in certain directions at certain speeds and some patterns don't allow that so like you have to adapt on the fly i guess to how your opponent is you know how your opponent is going to do that and aesthetically that works really well because it means that it I guess to sort of reach for a higher ideal here, it means that at any given time you have you have these two distinctive drawing styles for patterns, if that's the analogy that we're going with. And the way that they fit together makes a unique picture of its own every time in a way that actually visually plays out on screen, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like so if you were comparing it to like a regular shooter, like in a regular shooter you just kind of shoot at them and like, you know, you might have a shotgun or a rocket launcher or mm. a machine gun. Um, but typically, you're going to shoot in a straight line towards them. And the yeah. way that um, depth in variation is created is by, like, the space itself, right? Yes. Like, you're, the angle that you can fire at people from and stuff like that, or the cover that you mm. can take. Um, there's no such, like, terrain in this game. It's basically your yes. bullets are the thing that generate the terrain. Yes, like, the, exactly. space, exactly. the space gets formed by the, your interactions with bullets in bullet patterns and then you know how that intersects with those matchups that you were talking about mm. so yeah it's like it, you kind of quickly see um <laughs> once you can kind of get past the really flashy interface and um um effects and and uh just learn to parse like the actual bullets and stuff you really begin starting to see um how the different mechanics and systems start interlocking and like creating like you know that texture that you were talking about um but at the same time that initial hump is like really really large because you don't have a lot of other things to you know draw upon to you know contextualize it yeah yeah i think you said like the first 30 minutes is just like frustration of like <laughs> what the fuck is going on what am i supposed to do yeah. in this situation yeah things are just happening and like this is the thing that i sort of wanted to mention earlier actually when we were talking about the fact that this game borrows from so many different genres right like mm -hmm. in a fighting game when you know a traditional fighting game when something happens to you and you don't know what you you know what you could do what you could have done about it it's like what don't I know about this situation or this genre that I should know that will help me deal with this next time, mm -hmm. right? But in this game, because it is borrowing from so many different influences, sometimes the thing that you were meant to do about a situation you might even kind of recognize has escaped into another genre completely <laughs> that yeah. you don't know anything about. And it's like, yeah, you get hit by like a, you know, um, you get hit by a, an attack that you, you know, because you're used to playing, uh, you're used to playing bullet hell games where you can, you know, move between. You can if you with enough practice, you can move between any pattern, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you get hit by this one pattern that you literally couldn't have avoided, and you think, well, what was I meant to do there? And the answer is block, because it's a fighting game, and sometimes you have to block. <laughs> yeah. Like a, or like... delete their bullets. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Or exactly. sometimes you're getting comboed, and you're like, okay, well, how the fuck do I escape this combo? And sometimes the answer is become a boss. <laughs> 
Yeah, become the become the fucking giant screen filling boss. But then it's sometimes the answer is also just like you were never supposed to be in that situation in the first place. Yes. Like the yes, thing that exactly. you fucked up was three moves ago when you wasted your dash, landed here, and put yourself into a pattern where you got caught between these bullets, which allowed you to get hit. Or maybe you tried to go in for a melee and you didn't see, you know, the person's satellite behind you that was throwing bullets and got kicked you out of that melee while you were doing it. So it's like a little weird because usually in fighting games, like even if things are like really abstract and weird, you can kind of be like, yeah, I got hit because something hit me. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes in Senko no Ronde, it's like, I got hit because there were <clears throat> five different things and I wasn't paying attention to this one thing. Yeah. Or right, exactly. I forgot to use, I forgot that I don't have meter. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. tried to use something that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't shield because of it. So I put myself yeah. in a bad situation. Um, mm -hmm. This is a game that you played, and then uh, you do that fake Mrs. Gundam quotation where you go, "Am I an old type? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Am I weighed down 100%. by Earth's gravity? Is that why I can't 100%. understand this game?" <laughs> I definitely spent my first half hour of this game being weighed down by Earth's gravity. I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, but once you uh... once you uh, <clears throat> evolve those higher functions and become a a true space noid yeah. new type, uh, yeah. You will learn to enjoy Senkanoran. <laughs> yeah, the first time I the first time I dashed like I dashed in a straight line such that I went into and then out of melee range while putting out a uh, pattern of bullets and then whiff punished uh, you know a melee lunge with homing missiles. I was like, I had I had a real life new type flash. I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I understand now. The world has now <laughs> like yeah, the world now makes sense yeah yeah it was pretty good yeah it's just like this incredible dynamic game and there's like there are games that kind of um spun off this into like you know a small subgenre, but there's really nothing like as dense and um intense as this yeah. like it's a very singular game even if there's like imitators of it yeah, absolutely. It, it felt even when I first played it and totally didn't understand it, it felt completely and utterly unique. Right. Um, and it, yeah, it is. it's good. I like it. God, like just, you can become a space station. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't sound cool, then maybe this game isn't for you. But if it does, you should try sinking around too. Yeah. There's a robot. There's a robot tank that changes between rook and night mode. Yeah. It's a yeah, snipe, awesome. and like one of them is a sniper tank. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of cool characters, I think we should, you know, it's, it's, it's a custom around these parts to talk about our favorite characters in these games, I think. Yeah. So uh, my favorite character in this game was uh, the one that I ended up playing the most, because it, it was one of the first times that, you know, I've picked a character because his, like, the way that he played gelled with me, rather mm -hmm. than just based on what he looked like. And uh, so it's this guy called Mika Meekly, I think is his name, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in a mech called the Venturo Thor which is a great name for a mech. Yeah. Which is, like, fast and very flighty. It has, like, a, an unusually fast melee attack for these things. It can dash into and out of melee range very quickly. Uh, and instead of a, a, you know, bullet pattern that shoots at you, his uh, his basic shot is to shoot, a like, a sort of spiral of bullets around him that sort of slowly fans out. Yeah. So 
he very much emphasizes what I sort of came to realize about the game, which is that it is less about shooting your opponent and more about setting setting out bullets such that they hit them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because that's pretty directly what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. So, and his secondary attack deploys homing missiles, which I think I had mentioned before. And so it's, this idea is that you're, you know, you're dancing around them, dancing better than they are, trying to at least, and trying to make them trip up to a, a pace that you're setting. Because if you can dash around their bullets, it's very difficult for them to pressure you, I guess. And it's cool. It was, it felt very yeah. cool. And they're very anime bullets. They're that Itano yeah, Circus, yeah. Macross Missile Massacre, you know, flying yeah, around the place with like big long smoke trails kind yeah, of thing and yeah. you can shoot them in like different patterns it's really good it also says that yeah. he apparently runs a private investigation firm <laughs> <laughs> of course why wouldn't he oh uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah the, and the other thing that i thought was really cool about him is that his final boss form is that one i alluded to earlier which is not locked into one place so it turns the arena into where well, the arena, arena is a circle already but it, it positions him at one end of the circle and you uh, somewhere else and yep. he sort of slowly moves towards you wherever you move he is moving towards you and because because of that or you know related to that i guess is that his uh, his mech has a, a very cool asymmetry to it which is not something that uh, the like it's unusual in the game anyway so one side has a big crusher arm yeah big fuck off the arm. other side and the other side doesn't so immediately there's like this this uh um interesting sort of subgame to it where you say right well he's less armored on that side i'll move towards that side Mm. and he can read that and you know do interesting things he can send homing missiles he can sort of uh some of the attacks that he produces with the arm on one side he can actually uh you know like modify and so they expand outwards to try and catch people dashing to his less defended side it's really cool yeah so like it's like um you feel you're a little bit safer from his less defended side but Hmm. on that right side um he has that you know big laser (laughs) yeah yeah so you're just kind of trying to dance in and out of those ranges and then or you're trying uh... if you're really ambitious you're trying to destroy that arm so he can't use it at all yeah yeah and then if they get so you sort of tempt them to uh like you know dart out from underneath you and then if they really overextend you can input the bosses like super which is you just press the boss combination of buttons again mm-hmm. and he just fucking shoulder tackles you in this giant giant robot it's awesome yeah it's really good uh i think mine is that aforementioned fabian the fast man fabian the fast man we love him just has like him. Uh, first of all, he's got like a sweet bomber jacket. Hell yeah! And uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna read his his bio. It's so bad. Uh, wow, is that bad? Holy shit! <laughs> Come on, you gotta give the people what they want. The son of the just... wealthy fat man family. He hates his names and his genes and calls himself a fast man instead. Fuck yeah. That's so, so anime. I love it. I love that. What? <laughs> he pilots so the Dugur, this... which is D E U, capital X, and then just Gur. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had to talk about how this is actually meant to be pronounced because it could be like, I don't know, it could be like Doiger with the E U, yeah. or it could be like. If the if the X Dwager. is capital, maybe it's a maybe it's a Kai like Kingdom Hearts, you know? Maybe it's Dukaiger. It could be. 
which is a pretty cool sounding name if you think about it yeah but he's like basically you know he's really fast it's easy to stop on a dime and get out of situations and he just has this really great um uh gatling gun that you can mm, basically yeah. shoot for a really long time and like rack up the damage and it's like two sustained bursts from his gatling and then you can get the knockdown basically and then if mm, they come yeah, in and yeah. try to chase you he drops these like little orbs that explode into curved lasers Mm. to kind of basically you know if you try to come into melee range he'll drop those behind you yeah, yeah. as like you try to chase them down get hit by them and then you're back into the vortex where he can shoot you with the machine gun mm -hmm. and then his boss form is similar in that like it's just got two cannons that kind of rotate left and right and basically his plan of attack is to shoot a whole bunch of lasers to uh, position you right in front of him where they can shoot two lasers at the same time that kind of trap yeah. you in between them and then you know slowly close in on you and delete your health bar mm -hmm. uh i i started i actually started to actually like colin Culean? Culean? I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce these names man <laughs> the androgynous robot yeah, yeah. and or android who apparently runs a famous sports Mac. Of course. Why not? Yeah, but he's got that weird uh, ability to kind of shoot in any direction freely. Um, but low health. But he also has this... One of His sub-weapon is just... He puts like a... Yeah, one of his sub-weapons is that he just like puts a giant electrical ball on the tip of his gun, which you can just run into people and it just like depletes their health on contact and then if once you use that and set it up you can actually use your regular sub weapon to fire like a whole bunch of uh additional electrical balls mm -hmm. so he just basically takes up a bunch of the space and like uh alters it in like a very interesting way where he can like basically very dynamically change the landscape but uh at the cost of being super vulnerable if you know anybody actually gets in yeah 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 and then you know there's like the other cool ones like the one that transforms into the tank uh one of them is just a sniper but you can like charge the shot and like fire a really fast shot at people as you're escaping and then there's that like you know ninja based on a children's cartoon <laughs> mm. um do you have any other favorites uh, I mean, I think that was honestly the only one like I, that really. I, the, so the other one, I guess, that stood out to me that I, I really couldn't figure out how to play it very effectively was the uh, the sniper suit. Mm -hmm. the, it was like a a sort of its weapon was very like long range based, and you could like you could like charge it and hold it for long, and then it would release super fast. But obviously, the tracking was it's better but not perfect, so mm -hmm. you need to really plant that shot. But it does a bunch of damage when it hits. Like yeah, that. you like charge it, cool. wait for them to stop their dash, and then once they land, it's like, okay, you stopped at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool. It, uh, the the mech felt very, uh, it felt very modal. It felt like it felt like there was a lot that you could do with it if you learned to use it. I guess. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of them like that. Um, I think my favorites are a little bit more straightforward, just because like it takes a long time to start getting used to like the tools of some of the other ones and you kind of have to really dig into like the situations you can create and mm. think a couple moves ahead yeah 
it's almost chess like in that way where there's a lot of um setups like a lot of emphasis on setups yeah yeah definitely but yeah it's uh i think it's just like a really cool game uh (laughs) yeah yeah it was really cool like i I mean if you had told me when i first played this game that i would eventually record a gushing podcast about it i wouldn't have believed you but it really is that good i liked it a lot yeah i mean it's like a niche within a niche so you know obviously it's a little bit intimidating but i think like yeah you know you can get it within a session if you got somebody who's willing to explore it with you or who can you know guide you a little bit um unlike ubisoft who just put that first game into the wild without yeah with the worst name the worst aesthetic and no explanation of what the hell that game was uh dejika Mm -hmm. who've published a lot of like niche japanese shooters and like other japanese games um like rhythm games too have been actually doing a pretty good job of uh putting the info out there about the game and they have like a website with like extensive tutorial vids and character specific um videos that kind of like in 30 seconds lay out each character's game plan yeah yeah so the resources are out there if you you know want to play them but if you still like the bullet hell shooter thing sounds really cool but i'm still really intimidated this seems like a million things uh to keep in my head and i don't know if i want to take that on right now there's actually another game that we played recently as kind of yeah. like a complement to this one yeah sort of companion piece i guess so it's currently still in development but there is like a demo you can play with four characters out um it's also... it's, it's pretty fully featured as a demo guys yeah. like if you want to play this game and just have a good time with your friends you absolutely could i mean we certainly did so yeah and it's been showed at a couple different shows and stuff um mm-hmm. with a couple other characters so i'm not sure when it's going to be out hopefully sometime next year um, but it's called Maiden and Spell, and it's basically what if we took like the core concepts of this bullet hell fighting game, and kind of like bo- like uh, baked it down to its essentials a little bit, and make it a little bit more approachable, yeah. and put like yeah. this really incredible and cute uh, fantasy aesthetic around it. Yeah, that game looks absolutely gorgeous. It's extremely evocative of Hollow Knight, actually. If you like the way that game looks and sort of are interested in the kinds of games that we've described here, I really suggest looking at Maiden and Spell because it's, you know, every so often you stumble into something on itch.io which is like, wow, how does this A exist and B is free? Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's one of those. It's real good. Yeah, it's like a very fantasy, witchy um, version of this kind of idea. What it actually personally reminded me of is like the final fantasy for heroes of light or like a bravely default like that sort of rpg aesthetic mm. where it's like yeah yeah totally. you know like a, a mythical fantasy thing but less like medieval and more like uh you know fantastical yeah yeah and strange um all the characters are cute girls <laughs> and not like in a just you know i mean like there's tons of anime games with cute girls and but they're all kind of like the kind of moe design that you kind of see um, yeah and like yeah. you know toho is very much that um i was gonna say it's sort of it feels toho adjacent but like these feel uh, like a little bit more storybook 
Yeah, it's muted compared to that, right? Yeah, storybook is actually a really good word for it. There's lots of, like, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, elegant floral design on the screen, stuff like that. Yeah, but um, there's, uh, Maiden and Spell doesn't have, like, the huge uh, uh, screen-filling bosses or anything like that, but you do yeah, get kind of a lot of the same kind of ridiculous plays of bullet patterns and um, mm. distinct play styles and textured play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Like, immediately you can kind of see where it's going, where instead of, uh, like, a main shot and a sub shot, they have a direct attack and a wide attack. Hmm. So then you kind of, like, very quickly into it, oh, okay, so the direct attack won't hit a moving opponent, and a wide attack um, won't hit one that is standing still. So the goal is to... You know, use one type of shot to force them to get hit by another one. And, like, wide attack could be just, like, a burst of bullets that fires in eight directions around you. Or it could be, like, you create a minefield made of magical roses at yeah, predetermined yeah. points on the screen. And then everything uh, feels like you're casting spells because it's got that, like, uh, almost MMO-ish uh, cooldown on the screen yeah. where you like use an ability and then you'll see how many seconds before it cools down and you can use it again um yeah rather than an explicit reload meter although it does have those as well mm -hmm. yeah it, it just like makes things a little bit more transparent a little bit more readable and then also yeah. you can make a huge rose that takes up half the screen or drop a moon on top of somebody yeah you can drop a moon on the motherfucker every three seconds. yeah every three seconds you can drop a moon and in addition to that you can charge up a spell that freezes them in place <laughs> and deletes yep. bullets Just hold this moon so yeah yeah so i i mean uh one of these two <laughs> is probably yeah. gonna fit your aesthetic yeah they're both good i recommend you try both of them and you know and they're good complements. Com yeah sorry they're good compliments to each other Yes, absolutely. Because they're absolutely. they're very much the same idea, uh, but veered in very um, different directions. Yeah, totally. But that one is yeah. If you, my recommendation is like you know play Maiden and Spell. It's free. And if you like yep. that, you can kind of start exploring the genre. And Senko's like you know a good one to dive into when you're ready to dive deep in. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that's one. That's an important rider. Is it's going to be? I mean, it's fighting games. So we know it's going to be a pretty deep dive anyway. But like, Senko is an un uncommonly deep dive, even for the kinds of games we usually cover. So, but you know, if it sounds cool to you, go for it because it is definitely a very cool game. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to play. Yeah, if you like any ever any one of those aspects, you'll probably fight. You know, you'll probably enjoy yeah. it. If you like one on one competitive games, if you like arena games, if you like max, if you like fighting games. You'll, yes. you know, one of those things is going to get you and lock you in. Yeah, this is the advantage of the genre blend. It very much attracts people who are into any one of those things, right? Right. Yeah, so if you want to play a game where you get to, you know, you get to have a cool bullet dance with your opponent and it changes every game that you play and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you should play both Senko and Arund 2 and Maiden and Spell. Both yep. very good video games. There's space in your life for both, I promise you. Precisely. All right, with that, let's move on to our last segment.
weird questions. Yeah, questions. Da, da, da. I don't think we have a lot of questions this time. That's fine. That's, that's, a, fine. that's okay. We have some good ones instead. Yeah, we, do, we sure do. <laughs> so so uh, we solicited, as usual, questions about fighting games, questions about Sinkona Run 2, and questions about everything. And our first question comes from Regression via Twitter, which is, How do you boil rice? My delicious sauces continue to be ruined. Please send help. So, uh... Boiling rice is, like, uncommonly, I suppose, for cooking, is a question of volumes, right? Yep. So, the thing about rice is you 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 want to you want to boil it for a bit you want to steam it for a bit and you want to you know you want some amount of your water to end up in the rice and some amount of the water to be evaporated <laughs> off the rice to cook it right so what this means is it's difficult to it's difficult to know exactly how much water you should add because it's all going to be gone by the end but where it's going to have gone is going to depend and it's difficult to know how long you should cook the rice and there's also different volumes of rice and different types of rice right, that exactly. require different exactly. amounts of water however the, yeah, so the, that's that's another rider, I guess, is that uh, this the, the the rice cooking method I'm about to flawlessly deploy <laughs> is for uh, is for basmati or long grain style rice, okay. right? That's that's the kind of thing that you want because you know, it's it's good for a lot of different kinds of meals. It carries sauce very well, so on and so forth. If you want to cook risotto rice, I suggest that you refer, refer to the packaging of your risotto <laughs> rice. But if you want to if you want to cook your basmati rice well. You want to have the the grains be like uh, you know distinct from one another, not sort of mushed together into this homogenous slurry, but also like not too not too gritty, not too chewy, and you know you want you want that to be texture in your mouth. But you don't want it to be too much, right? What you want to do is you want to get the amount of basmati rice that you want to cook per person. Typically, I would say that that is half a cup per person. Mm -hmm. If you if you like rice, if you like eating rice. If you don't like eating rice that much, you need to have slightly less or consider not making rice at all. <laughs> so you get a half a cup of rice per person. And then what you do is you get half a cup of boiling water per person. And then you put the rice in your saucepan, which you have on a medium-low heat. If your, if your stove burns particularly hot, keep it on a low heat. That's fine. Put the rice in the pan and then the boiling water over the rice. And then you want to cover that pan completely and leave it for 15 minutes so you'll know if this has gone well because at the end of the 15 minutes most if not all of the water will have boiled off the rice but it will still be wet so if uh, if you find that your rice is catching to the bottom of the pan and burning then you want to do it on a lower heat for the whole time but typically your water should come to the boil boil off and then be done by the end of the 15 minutes and then when the 15 minutes ends you want to take your rice off the heat turn the heat off take the lid off the top of the rice pan and cover it with a tea towel. Now what that is going to do is as the water evaporates from the surface of the rice, it's going to steam cook the rice for you in the water that you've just boiled it in. And that means that your rice is going to be perfectly soft and nice by the end of 10 minutes where you're going to leave it in that pot and then it's done. Perfect rice every single time. No brain power involved, no eyeballing you know, measurements of water and stuff like that. Half a cup of rice, cup of water, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, done. Easy. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep in mind that will only work for basmati rice, and I do not endorse this method for cooking short grain Japanese rice, which is what I usually eat. Yeah. <laughs> or medium would, grain. How would, how would you adapt that for short grain uh, rice? I think I use one and a quarter. Less water? I use one and a quarter. Oh, more um, of one and a quarter cups of water for every one cup. Usually add some salt in there, 
um, bring it to a boil, and then after, importantly, after it comes to a boil and you put your, <laughs> comes to a boil with your rice in it, um, then I turn it down to a simmer for 20 minutes, covered, and once mm -hmm. it's done 20 minutes, take it off the heat, fluff the rice, very important, just, mm -hmm. you know, flip it over like it's a salad or something, and then put it back yeah, on yeah. to do that very important steaming that Curly mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, works for me? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. cooking rice is not a science. <laughs> and some so you say. some rice science <laughs> some rice experts might even tell you well it's also going to depend on the humidity of the <laughs> the humidity in your climate what oh, the yeah, temperature sorry, of your building is this, i can't guarantee whether this method works in the himalayas sorry yeah and i can uh, a, the pressure differences are too too important i can only um guarantee this will work in midwest temperate weather <laughs> i do not guarantee <laughs> this will work in humid southern united states weather <laughs> please check your weather forecasts in your local news yeah. for recommended your, rice cooking own, yeah <laughs> check the local weather forecasts, but most importantly do your own research these these methods are i would say that my method is ironclad but if you find it doesn't work for you feel free to adapt it slightly if your rice is too if your rice is too wet either cook it for longer or on a slightly higher heat if your rice is too dry add more water that's fine also some people get into a real big hubbub about washing your rice before you cook it and i think it varies by type of rice how important that is but with basmati or long grain rice typically it's a matter of preference whether you want your rice more or less starchy yep pretty much yeah spoken like a true scientist <laughs> i know i said <laughs> rice cooking isn't a science but you can definitely do science to it well yes if you really want to get into it you can write down a notepad and you can write down the texture and how much water you use and adjust it and figure out what the perfect ratio for you and your rice is hell fucking yeah <laughs> So what else do we got? <laughs> uh, Ringwraith via Discord says, "Is there a bullet heaven?" Yes, absolutely. Is there? Yeah, that seems like something you'd know. That's like uh, that's heaven. like the place that you go after bullet hell. Tech, they call it bullet hell, but it's actually more like a bullet purgatory. And once you uh, develop the Zen consciousness okay. needed to one CC a bullet hell shooter. Uh, you will become, mm -hmm. you know, you will be allowed into the realms of okay. bullet heaven. So if we take this conversation in a slightly different direction, so, uh, so you 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 posit the notion of a you know a bullet a bullet purgatory, so a bullet purgatorio, <laughs> and then a bullet a bullet heaven, a bullet paradiso, and a bullet inferno, right? Exactly. So yes. if there are three games, one of which is bullet purgatorio, one of which is bullet paradiso, and one of which is bullet bullet inferno. What are they for you, Armand? Oh, the, the shmup, the shmup connoisseur. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, the bullet inferno is definitely like trizeal, uh -huh. which is just some very <laughs> generic-looking military sci-fi spaceship shooter Ooh. that has like yeah. one specific gimmick that everybody says is good and praises right. but really is only getting ahead in terms of like being in a very niche genre that people are very right. thirsty for what's uh what's trizeal's gimmick it's uh it's like some the fucking thing is like some shake system where like you shake the joystick to like oh do like alter bullets or some other things like that and just fucking no thanks i'm good I mean, they changed it in like the ports that you can just hold down a bullet. But otherwise, yeah. it's just like 
a pretty average and competent shooter that does absolutely nothing for you, but everybody says is really good. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely Bullet Inferno. Um, Bullet Purgatorio is... Oh, shit, what's that game called? Hang on. I, I need to... Look, I need to get this correct. Hitogata Hapa. Uh-huh. This is <laughs> definitely Purgatorio because it is uh it's a game by Plain Teen Dispositive Dispositive, sorry, my bad. Platine Dispositive. And it's one of those okay. definitely one of those Moe Blob games. Okay, yeah. Which like seems almost like any other Dojin shooter. You know, Japanese mm. indie shooter in aesthetic but is actually full of deep and interesting systems, but also so goddamn fucking hard that good luck getting past the first <laughs> level. The first the right, first, yeah. first level is actually gives you um, infinite lives just so you can start getting used <laughs> to mechanics. And then once you get to the second level, which is the first real level, yeah, then they introduce the system hard. where uh, you find out that you have a limited amount of currency to buy a limited amount of dolls, and each doll is a different playable character with different moves <laughs> that you what? switch between <laughs> when they blow up. That's mad. And then there's the system where you slowly build up this meter that you can use to intentionally suicide your character. <laughs> So you have to run into the boss intentionally with this meter full, not get shot on the way there to cause massive damage, and which will use up the stock of your dolls, which you um, buy with the currency that you earn by playing the game. That has a very Purgatorio-like aesthetic to it. Yeah, I like it. and then you can also um, stop the bullets of... You can slow down the bullets of every enemy by getting into their zone of control, which is this small space around them that if you run into and basically shoot them point blank, it'll slow down their bullets. And if you destroy them hmm. while they're, you're in their zone of control, you turn those bullets into more gems, more currency for the further stages. See. So you're... So after you've... Yeah, no, sorry. So you're basically just constantly putting yourself into danger so you can earn more resources so that you can risk yeah. more resources. Nice. It's video games, baby. That's video games, baby, yeah. Uh, what the hell is Bullet Heaven? Uh, there's, like, so many of these games that would probably be uh, my favorite, but I'm gonna pick one that I enjoy and that is themed for this month i'm just going to pick death smiles the original death smiles okay yeah yeah this is by cave who generally makes you know some of the most well-regarded shooters in the business uh mm -hmm. but unlike most of their games which are vertically scrolling military themed well okay not all of them are military themed most of them are vertically scrolling shooters uh this one is a bullet hell that's a side-on view Okay. And you play yeah, yeah. as a bunch of gothic lolitas and their, you know, little animal familiars as you cast magic spells and fight like weird bosses like a man's a giant's face chained to the side of a mountain or a giant cow named Mary. <laughs> um the <laughs> Oh, hang on. I need to <laughs> get this right i need to find out what the yeah. final boss is okay 
Yes. The final boss that you get up to is called Tyranno Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and I think oh, uh, so I, good. and then some uh, metal version of uh, the music play, a metal version of some classical music plays. I think it's like yes. Joy to the World or something. Yes. Or that might be in the sequel where uh, you uh, fight okay, Satan okay. Claus at the end of the game. Fuck. <laughs> it's Christmas themed. Oh my God, this so is so good. So the first good. one's like Halloween themed and you're a bunch of Gothic Lolitas fighting Tyranna Satan. The, Hell yeah. The final, the final level is like incredible too. Cause you just like go through a ballroom full of ghosts shooting bullets at you. You come at the end, you, one of your character's dads is there and he's there doing some evil shit and then Tyranno Satan comes and pales him and you have to fight him. I appreciate how uh, how biblical this is for our, you know, our uh, heavenly canon of uh, our divine comedy of, of, of Bullet Hell games. Yeah, and then uh, after you beat Tyranno Satan you have to decide if you want to go back to the real world and start, or stay in Halloween Town. <laughs> Yeah, Amazing. and then there's a Christmas sequel. I haven't played it, but I love it. It's got Satan Claus in it. How bad could it be? Well, I don't know enough about uh, I don't know enough about this genre to have three. But I so I have a bullet. I have a bullet Inferno and a bullet Paradiso. Uh, my bullet par my bullet Inferno is uh, Mushihima Sama. Absolutely, which yes. is uh, a it was a bullet hell game that I. I literally found because in the mists of eons past, YouTube served me a video with the title "Hardest Bullet Hell Game Ever," and this was back when I was, you know, twice, perhaps three times as insufferable as I am now. And playing difficult video games was ideologically important to me. So I, I, I dug out this game and uh, and. You know what, folks? It's fucking difficult. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Look up some, uh, look up some, some footage of you know the final boss in Mishihima-sama, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something. It's available on Steam. You can play that game right now, and it's, it's, by, it's uh, weird. It's the by the same people who brought you Death Smiles. All oh, right, I didn't know that. It's yeah. cool. You're a princess who rides on the bugs. Bug princess. Yeah, you're a princess who rides on the bugs, and also everyone everyone is shooting big lasers and bullets all the time. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's a good game. It's certainly a, a you know a noteworthy game. Oh, it's absolutely uh, a good game. Okay, I can cool. tell you. I, that. I, yeah, yeah, it's got you are the experts. So it's it's got some very here. cool fantasy design. Um, some of yeah, those bugs sure, remind me sure. of those big bug things from Nausicaa. Yeah, I'm glad I I'm glad I played it because it is so like back then it it. it it didn't even it didn't just broaden my horizons it fucking exploded my horizons i'm like wow video games yeah. are so much <laughs> the cool thing about the new cave ports and stuff is that they generally include a novice mode where you can kind of okay, just get okay. used to it and then you can get some like um you know less dense patterns and then they also include like the hardest fucking remixed version where like yeah in death yeah. smiles when you destroy an enemy they'll shoot out suicide bullets at you in retaliation that you have to block with your familiar uh, <laughs> so every bullet case. you every enemy spewing bullets that you destroy creates more bullets it's good mm -hmm. yep and because i am i am that bitch i'm basic <laughs> as hell my bullet paradiso is ikaruga i love ikaruga that game fucking rules i don't even care if it's not really a bullet hell game it's awesome yeah it's like what if they made a bullet hell game into like a puzzle game an action puzzle 
Yeah, exactly. It it looks fan- it, like it looks absolutely gorgeous. The uh, the I was gonna say level design, but you know, uh, yeah, it's it's level design because like even though yeah. it's you know you're just ascending up a, a screen, the way that the patterns come out is all it's all beautifully choreographed. If we're if we're sticking to this extremely labored dance metaphor I've been using, Ikaruga's choreography is some of the best out there, and the polarity mechanic is always fun to think about and to use oh ikaruga's great yeah you forgot about the part where it gives you philosophical poetry in the beginning of every stage yes it's so good it's so good what i really what i really love about ikaruga actually is uh one of the things i really love about ikaruga is is the way that every level begins with the 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 cool musical overture as your ship like zooms over the top of the level and you you see like a really wide shot of the level you're about to go into and then as the music breaks down the 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 ship like dives into the level it looks so cool yeah ikaruga is such a cool it's game. very stylish and it's very like pared down in a way that like makes yeah, it kind of easy absolutely. to understand like the concepts of the of the genre mm. but not like be overwhelmed <laughs> Yeah, it like totally, kind of teaches totally. you how to see the game, the spaces, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Dan Kuroto's side girl <laughs> from Twitter. I says, mean, with that name, could it be from any social media <laughs> space except <laughs> yeah, that Twitter? A, you're right. Actually, I, that, that, that is a very Twitter Twitter handle name. I guess it could maybe be like a Tumblr. It could name, be. But yeah. Yeah, Don yeah. Corrado's so, sidegirl.tumblr.com. Yeah, that works. What is the strangest fighting game you've ever played in the sense of the one most different from any other fighting game? Yeah, my definition of fighting game is very flexible. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris. <laughs> yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris yeah. is, is if, certainly If we're stretching one. differences... Uh, if you're stretching, yeah. If we're stretching definitions, Puyo Puyo Tetris is swap mode is definitely um, one I'd put in a fighting game category. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Or Twinkle Star Sprites, which is like, what if Puyo Puyo was a game where you both played a shmup and the enemies you destroyed sent garbage to your opponent? Yeah, yeah. That's the that's that's like a sort of an alternate uh, interpretation of the brief of what if a shmup but a fighting game that we'll definitely end up talking about yeah. in the show at some point. If we're trying like more traditional one on one, we punch each other in the face style games. Um, Astra Superstars is a game where you're always flying, and it basically takes play, place on like this middle plane where you're like flying left and right. Um, and interestingly, because you are in the air, you can jump in, you can jump both up and down to dodge attacks. Mm. So you basically press up or down and you kind of like dip to the top or bottom of the screen to dodge moves and things like that. It's weird and pretty cool. And it has like this um, really amazing pastel aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like really weird because like when like what do you do when you're always in the air? Like how does that change? Uh, you know how you do combos and things like that. If you're like yeah, you yeah. know not getting a knockdown to drop somebody on the floor and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, they sadly have not ported it to anything but the Saturn, <laughs> and it costs like a billion dollars, like every Saturn game or every retro oh, game yeah, at this obviously. point. 
So, uh, yeah. emulated in MAME, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly. But yeah, um, that's my answer. Do you have any other answers? So, I think, I don't know, I think I'd probably, this is one of those questions, that it's a good question, <laughs> and the, the good thing about it is that if you were to ask me, you know, any day of the week, I would give you a different answer. But today, I think the answer that I would give to this question is uh, a game that I hope we get to talk about on the show at some point, which is Bushido Blade. Yeah. So Bushido Blade is, if you don't know about it, is a is PS One, right? Bushido yep. Blade. Mm-hmm. Square yeah, Enix PS One. Right. Yeah, yeah. Bushido Bushido Blade is a game for the PS One, which is well, it's it's you know it's evoking Bushido as a sort of you know combat art, but it uh, rather than other like games like for example Samurai Showdown, which even amongst 2D fighting games, uh, emphasizes the lethality of its attacks. Uh, Bushido Blade really doubles, triples down on this idea because you're fighting with swords. So if you hit someone with your sword, they will fucking die. <laughs> so Bushido Blade is like it's, it's a hyper-lethal fighting game. Mm-hmm. And the way that they make this interesting is that the levels are massive and you can run all the way across them. So you get these awesome like uh like stare downs from really long distances away as people try and goad each other to come up this to this ledge stuff like that Mm -hmm. like it you know your footsies game can go a really really long way and because they've like uh designed these big spaces you you can go into areas that are not like very they don't feel suited for combat like Mm -hmm. one of them just has a a train tunnel in it that you can go into but if you want to fight there you can there's like a very like picturesque um, scene that you can run around but if you just run down far enough there's just suddenly a train tunnel and you're like uh uh, what (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's very much just like you know those scenes in samurai movies where they're just like in a field of flowers or something and they chase each other down yeah. and then you know yeah. they do the thing where they cross swords and then one of them falls down and dies yeah it's exactly. very much trying to um, evoke that style of fight but then like when yeah. you like mix all that traditional imagery with you know just an occasional flicker of like a modern um <laughs> modern like setting you're just mm. it like creates like a very surreal it's that it's very dreamlike right yeah, right. It's that very Kurosawa, like, dreamlike uh, samurai fights. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the Kurosawa influence is a, a huge deal. And I guess I'll, you know, I'll save any more for when we talk about it on the show. But yeah. if, you're in, in, if you're interested in playing a game that, you know, you will eventually hear us talk about at some length, try out Bushido Blade. It's cool. Yeah. Um, I think, unless you've got anything else to say, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's us. So, yeah. Um, shout out to Hazel once again. You know, yeah. Shout out to Hazel. Twinkle Find Parks Hazel's, on Twitter. Thank you yeah, for composing our theme. Slash Twinkle Parks. Thank you for composing our theme. Armor. Where can the people find you? You can on find the big me. Wide internet. You can find me on Twitter at cigarettes. That's S I E G A R E T T E S. And then from there, you can find like all the other things I do. Yeah, including a video of us playing Roof Rage, yeah. which we mentioned in this video. Uh, podcast this is a podcast this is a podcast there's also a video of me playing with my friend sam uh of playing a maiden and spell if you want to oh, see yes, what that, that looks that like too. before you you know go download it even though you should just go download it right away <laughs> <laughs> and where can we find you curly 
you can find me as usual at twitter.com slash curl underscore e underscore brace where you can find me ominously tweeting about the video essay that I am quite close to finishing that I have been working on for the better part of a year now. Yeah, this thing has been uh, taking over your life. Well, yeah, not quite. I guess it's, it's like, like been slow. The rest of my life took over my <laughs> video essay making time. Yeah, because this has been slowly I, gestating. Yeah, like, like I, I sort of, I wrote the script over the course of, I actually like wrote the first words for that script either just after I published like my second video ever. So like it's, it's been a long time coming, but it was a really, really big job and I've only just figured out how to do huge parts of it. So it's, uh, it's, I'm hoping to get it finished by the end of this calendar month. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely we'll have projects like that, that I started like four years ago and I'm like, I don't know. I'm, oh, this is over my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. And then look forward to yeah. more episodes of this. Again, you can tweet at either one of us with questions anytime. We usually yes. put out calls for questions right before, but you can, you know, ask us anything. I mean, I'm not, oh, I'm not going again, I'm not uh, going to say that we will give you a good response, but we will give you one that's confident in its bullshit. Hey, if this fucking, if that, if that fucking screed about rights doesn't qualify <laughs> as a good response, then I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One last shout out to Abnormal Mapping who hosts this podcast. Thanks yeah, again. Thanks to Abnormal Mapping. Emin Jackson yeah. for, you know, making this a reality. Woo! Our game for next time will be Ultra Fight the Kianta 2. If you haven't heard me and Curly talk of this game before, please absolutely prepare yourself for this incredible achievement in fighting game history. This game is currently free on Steam, so you have no excuse. And with that, that's the end of the podcast, and until next time. You better go fight some more.